this is Gilbert Gottfried. I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing Colossal Podcast. Our guest this week is a comedian and actor who's been working pretty much nonstop since the 1950s. He was a fixture on television for decades, appearing on hit shows like The Patty Duke Show, The Andy Griffith Show, That Girl, Love American Style, The Dick Van Dyke Show, MASH, Sanford and Son, The Love Boat, Mark and Mindy, Coach, and Yes, Dear, just to name a few. You forgot the McLean Stevenson Show on NBC. It lasted three episodes. Okay, okay the McLean Stevenson episode. The McLean Stevenson Show. If you caught any of the three episodes, you would have seen Ronnie Shell. But if anyone watched the McLean Stevenson Show, uh, it wouldn't be off the air. That's right. Yeah, it would have lasted at least four shows. He also starred in his own CBS series, Good Morning World. Yes, sir. But Which, it's for ha- yes. Oh, I got to interrupt. I have to interrupt. It'll be it'll be starting January. All the reruns with on uh, uh, Antenna TV. Do you guys have Antenna TV? Oh yeah, there? great Antenna. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Good Morning World. Well, let him get through this. Yeah, this is can, a lot about can, you here. That'll be CBS. Stay- <laughs> well, go ahead, go, go ahead, Gilbert. He thinks it's his show. He thinks it's his show. But Holy it's, it's perhaps best known as Jim Neighbor's friend and bunkmate. Hey, Dude. hey, hey, careful. <laughs> <laughs> bunkmate Duke Slater on a long-running and wildly popular situation comedy, Gomer Pyle, USMC. Bought me a house. Feature films include The World's Strongest Man, The Shaggy DA, Love at First Bite, The Devil and Max Devlin. Piece of crap. That that, that was a piece of crap. (laughs) I can say that now because it starred Bill Cosby, and I don't give a (laughs) shit about him anymore. So you co starred with a sexual offender. Okay. That's good. That's good. Keep that in there. You forgot a great comedian that I did an animated film with playing his best friend called, I'll let you guess who it was, Rover Dangerfield. Oh, yeah, sure. We got got it on our our list here. We'll get to it. Well, watch it. God damn it. Watch it. How to Beat the High Cost of Living. Yes. With Jessica Lange. He's also headlined in nightclubs, Vegas showrooms, and if all that doesn't prove his versatility, he's provided voices for dozens of animated cartoons, including Captain Caveman, The Smurfs, Fred Flintstone and Friends, DuckTales, and Rugrats. In a long and very busy career, he's worked alongside some of the biggest names in the entertainment business including Johnny Carson, Carol Burnett, the Smothers Brothers, yes. Goldie Hawn, George Siegel, Andy Griffith, Red Fox, Tim Conway, Phyllis Diller, Rodney Dangerfield, Groucho Marx, and, drumroll please, oh. Cesar Romero! <laughs> <laughs> 
we did a movie together. You know what his nickname was? You know what his nickname was around 20th Century Fox? Butch. Butch. Yeah. yeah. I'm serious. Did you know that? Yes, we did. Uh, yes. We'll tell you why soon. Well, I'm beginning to think Please. I know why. Yes. Please welcome to the podcast one of our favorite funny men. And America's slowest rising, rising young comic, old comic, Ronnie Shell. Well, by God, it's a pleasure to finally get on after that <laughs> brilliant introduction. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what I'm going to say. It's 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 really great to see you guys, and uh, I'm Thank glad you, you called me. No, I'm serious. Bullshit. Now, but now I'm, really, <laughs> I'm really grateful because I I am I am a fan of yours, uh, Gilbert. And have been for years since I was a kid, and I, I gotta tell you, uh, whenever you want to ask, oh, shall okay. I get my credit? Shall I get my upcoming credits out of the way? Yeah, get them out oh, of the way, please. and then we'll get, so we'll get to a in. bunch of questions. Okay, Ronnie Shell's credits. He's reaching I'm, into his pocket. I hope yeah, because I just got one about ten minutes ago. <laughs> February, I'm doing a pilot with Ed Asner. You guys know Ed? But we had him on the show. Yeah, he was. Yeah, terrific. I love Ed. Well, we did the movie. Well, you guys know this. We did the movie Gus together. But yes. you, you knew that. Uh, so uh, we're going to do a pilot with uh, uh, the girl from Don Wells from uh, uh, Gilligan's Island. And we were, we were supposed to do it in January with Florence Henderson, but she we canceled out on us. We spoke to her, too. We had her here, too. Yeah. Isn't that funny? She canceled out on us. And, and so they've, they've cut the thing until February or March. Uh, let's see. And then in May, of course, I'll be where you guys have probably played uh, danville indiana hey the- <laughs> <laughs> they pay and yeah. it's uh for the big mayberry celebration oh cool that's, that's enough yeah, for i know now. you've done those before yeah I, I do one every september in uh in uh north carolina where andy griffith was born yeah because uh, i did two episodes of andy griffith you guys didn't mention of course that. You and you mention- start in the spinoff i surely did before we go on any further, I think I may have told this story once before on this show. Do you know the uh, big story about Cesar Romero? <laughs> going right in for it, huh? <laughs> yes. Uh, no, I'd Ronnie, love to hear it. Ronnie. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll see if I remember it. Yes. Cesar Romero. Force yourself. Cesar Romero Butch. was, you know, he was known around town and in movies as a macho Latin right. lover. Right. And in, in real life, he was gay. Yeah. And as to quote Jerry Seinfeld, not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> but in real life, if I remember this, it's been a while since I told it. Mm-hmm. He would surround himself with these boy toys, mm-hmm. and he would pull his pants and underwear down. No, and that I depending remember. depending on who tells you the story, <laughs> he was either standing on the floor or ankle deep in warm water. That's Whoa. the only argument I've gotten. How about and, how about the swans, big or small? <laughs> That I don't know. Oh, you <laughs> no one on mentioned that. it, so okay. it's probably tiny. Okay. Anyway, so either on the floor or in ankle deep in warm water, <laughs> these boy toys were instructed to fling with their, all their might orange wedges at his <laughs> naked ass. That's funny. Do you know about this? No, but I have a, a similar story about Alan Land. <laughs> You ready? Hey, Dirt. This is true. This is Alan Ladd. Oh, great. 
Now, if his, his, if Elena, his wife, is listening, it's too bad. But what <laughs> happened was he, you know, he drank quite a lot, as you know. In fact, he put him out of the business for a while, and he used to uh, uh, get, I'm, I'm told, get inebriated and go down to the where they uh, dis- deposit all the uh, garbage, and he would help the garbage guys in the morning for some reason I don't know, but that's not the story. The story is every once in a while he gather all these girls together and he'd make a big circle he'd get in the circle and they'd put a chicken there in the circle and he would get nude and the girls would dance around singing you simply got to fuck that chicken you simply got to fuck that chicken that's the story (laughs) well can you sing that one more time you simply got to fuck that chicken Oh, I hope I don't get. I so hope I don't Alan get Ladd, Alan Ladd, some macho star, would stand naked in a mm-hmm. circle of women who yes. circled him. Yeah, and 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 they would. I'm but they sorry have a chicken. The ch- they'd have a chicken there. Yeah, they oh they'd have a chicken. Yeah, he was and, and, naked with a chicken, uh, in a circle of girls. And I'm sorry, I don't think I heard this correctly. What did they start singing? Well, they would dance around. Uh, Alan singing, you've simply got to fuck that chicken. (laughs) That could be an apocryphal story, whatever that means. I don't care. When I hear a story like that, it's true. Wow. Pass it on. Pass it on. Oh, I've got a million of those. I've worked with everybody except, uh, who's the only guy I never worked with? Oh, I know. Uh, uh, Hey, hey, who, who, what's his name? Uh, Oh, the Academy oh, Red, Red, Red Buttons, I never yes. met or worked with him, but I've re- I worked with all the rest of them. So, have you heard either if you've worked with them or not? Have who? you heard some other weird sexual stories <laughs> about any celebrity? I'll get arrested for crying out loud. <laughs> well, let me think. Ask uh, Ed, why don't you? This is a good time to now. Ronnie was a friend of Pat McCormick's. So oh, very, it's a very good time close. to ask him okay. about the, the very helicopter close. story. Okay. There was a story that uh, that Pat McCormick over used Irene to get... Dunn's house. Oh yes, you tell a story. <laughs> no, no, you tell it because I, I I've sort of forgotten it, but it's a true story. Okay, uh, Pat McCormick had a bunch of friends in the business, mm-hmm. and like once a year, I think they would get together and try one would. Uh, take the others to dinner exactly. or to a celebration. Or to, Vegas, or, or to Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Fly them somewhere. That's uh, true. Take them out to a strip club or whatever That's the hell. That's true. And uh, when it was Pat McCormick's turn, and these guys were spending a fortune on lavish dinners, and everything. Pat McCormick's turn, <laughs> he had every, they had them take all his friends to a heliport. Mm-hmm. And there they were handed a paper bag with a tuna fish sandwich and an apple. And they were all like, <laughs> I didn't they were all like what the hell is this? You I didn't know, know about that. Like, yeah, it's like, what the fuck? This, we, yeah. we spend money on this? And <laughs> then they were led one by one into a helicopter. When mm-hmm. the guy would go in the helicopter, there would be a hooker. In the oh, that's helicopter. Right. That's, right. that's right. And the helicopter would circle that guy's wife's house. They oh. were given the, uh, 
And while he was circling his house, the hooker would blow the guy. Oh, my God. No, that, no and, I heard it was over wait. Irene Dunn's house. <laughs> Irene Dunn's house? I'm that serious. Makes it better. <laughs> it's much it better. was over Irene Dunn's house. And they yeah, brought... Yeah. Oh. Well, let me finish this first and then tell me your side. <laughs> okay, because and, I was starting and, to nod off. And, <laughs> and then they circled the house. And when one of them got home, his wife said, so how was your evening? And he goes, oh, it was okay. How was yours? And she said, well, it was strange. A helicopter <laughs> circling the house. That sounds but right. you're saying it was actress Irene Dunn. Irene Dunn. And he had an anti-Catholic thing he said, but I can't remember what it was for the life of me. Because, you know, she was, a, she was a staunch Catholic. And uh, he, liked, he liked to shake him up. I stole two of, I worked with him a lot uh, here in town, but I stole two of his lines, which I will do forever. And uh, I'm going to do them for you now because I think they're, they're classics. One is in a New York venue, you would say, do you all know who, Yoko Ono is, right? Do you know they had a Yoko Ono lookalike contest held in uh, Central Park last Saturday, but they had to call it off because the crowd turned ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Great. That's it. And the other one is, uh, very. uh, uh, how did he tell it? Uh, uh, Biblical scholars have come up with a well-known change from biblical times, they found out how Jesus, the Lord Jesus, could walk on water. It was winter. <laughs> that was Pat. So I, I take it no one ever told that joke to Irene Dunn. <laughs> I would say I would say no. <laughs> I don't know any Irene Dunn stories. So so. They they were uh, circling. They were getting blown while circling the house. Irene, of- Irene Dunn's. <laughs> Irene Dunn's. And, and that makes it better. You that makes tell it that better. Version yeah. now from now yeah. on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but you'll have to come up with a line that. Uh, no, there is no line. You just got the blow job, and I don't know if she ever knew about it. Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Ronnie, tell us, tell us, tell us, you bet your life story. Tell us about meeting Groucho. You were so young. Yeah. You in the well, business. I'll tell you was I, I was working at the Purple Onion in San Francisco. I was still a college student. You never went to college, did you? Uh, any of you guys? Two of you? No, no. 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 Okay. Well, I graduated. Okay. Four years. Anyway, so I was in my senior year and I auditioned at the Purple Onion in San Francisco, which was a big nightclub in those days. And the other two acts who auditioned the same time as I did was um, Phyllis Diller and the Kingston Trio. You remember the Kingston Trio? Sure, sure, sure. Okay. So, Tom Dooley and... Yeah, that's right. So, uh, oh, do I have stories about them? Anyway, so <laughs> we, we toured for a year and a half together, college concerts. Anyway, so we... Uh, uh, in comes uh, George Fenneman, who was Groucho's... Uh, oh, sure. Yeah. And yeah. he, he said, uh, he was there to see Phyllis, and he booked her for the show. And then he knew that I went to San Francisco State, where he went 10 years earlier. And he said, listen, uh, why don't we, let me talk to John Goodell, who's the producer, and see if we can get you on. I said, oh, I'd love it. 
So that's how I got on the show. Now, when I got on the show, he said, we got to have a gimmick. And I said, oh, I can't think. He said, well, why don't you be a, a, a beatnik expert? In those days, it was big beatniks in San Francisco. I said, okay, I don't know anything about them, but I will. So he gave me a few lines. So just before the show started, before I met Groucho, he said, uh, uh, John Cadell, or his assistant, said to me, now, uh, you're going to meet Groucho in a minute, and you just feed him these lines right here. In the meantime, we'll add lib around. And I said, now, listen, I am a comedian, so at times I can be very funny. And he said, okay, that's very good. But remember, this is Groucho's show, and it's on film, and we can cut you out at any moment. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's the truth. So I got on the show, and I was just as nice as possible, and he was good to me. The only joke I remember, and it's not funny because they told me to say it, was what is the definition of a beatnik? It's a guy on the ground looking down. How about that? Oh. No, I know. No, it's not funny. But yeah. anyway, that was that was my top gag. But Groucho, <laughs> no, it was. But Groucho was very, very good to me. I won $600. I guessed the duck, a table. Oh, great. And, oh, you guessed the secret yeah, word. Yep, table. And uh, I went out of there uh, about $900 richer, which for a college kid was pretty darn good. Are you a TV comedian, Ronnie? No, Groucho, I've never done radio done comedian. No, I've never done radio. Stage comedian? Very little, no. Do you Groucho. ever work the gambling hells in Vegas? I haven't had the pleasure as yet. I'm just... Well, where do you work? At PTA meetings? <laughs> well, no, actually, I work these little out-of-the-way, offbeat places like the Purple Onion in San Francisco and Doesn't some of the clubs. Doesn't your eyes waking in there? <laughs> no. You work in out-of-the-way nightclubs, huh? Well, what kind of customers patronize this type of flip joint? Well, actually, we have all types of people. I think um, primarily in San Francisco at the Purple Onion, we have these beatniks from the beat generation. <clears throat> but what is a beatnik? Well, uh, my definition of a beatnik is, would be a fellow on the bottom looking down. <laughs> the next time I saw him, I was doing the uh, Carson show, and he was in the audience. And he came, uh, he came backstage and, and, and said, you're very good. I remember you. You're sort of like Don Adams, which I wasn't, of course. But uh, <laughs> he was no. I said, I know. I know. I've been told that, which was a lie. But uh, I accepted it, and that was the last time I saw Groucho. Oh, no, no. Oh, God, I, I shouldn't tell you this. I was watching, we went to see a premiere at a Disney film, and behind me, sitting right behind me, was Groucho, this is much later, Groucho with, uh, was it Aaron Fleming? Was that him? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Aaron yes. Fleming. And she was with him. And the movie started, my wife was with me, and we were watching, and we were enjoying it. All of a sudden, <laughs> Groucho says to nothing, I think it was July 8th. <laughs> Now, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to do July 8th, what? What? We didn't say anything, but that was the last time I communicated. Oh, he was starting to lose it. I guess so. I <laughs> yeah. think it was July 8th. But I know, I, I don't think Aaron even asked him what the date was or anything like that. But uh, he, he was awfully good to me. I got to be honest with you. He was very good to me when I saw him both times and, and did the show. And you said, like, a lot of people found him really, like, mean and rude. But you didn't. No, not at all. Not at all. In fact, George Fenneman used to have lunch with him every day at Nate Nell's. You know where Nate Nell's is out? Oh, in sure. Yeah. Still Nate Nell's still out there? Yeah, it's doing great. And before we switch to another story, may I say, I think it was July 8th. 
<laughs> He's getting a little old Groucho, Ronnie. Oh, is that Groucho? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's his Groucho. July 8th. Yeah, right. That's right. That's good. That's good. I, I, I think it was July 8th. <laughs> Aaron Fleming's going to kill me. Uh, Aaron, She's gone. Aaron. Oh, is she gone? Oh, Aaron's gone. Aaron took her own life. Did she really? Yes, indeed. Well, fuck uh, her then. That's over. Oh. Uh, Aaron, could, could July you 8th. please... Could you please shoot yourself? Oh, it would really make my life a lot nicer oh, if you would go into an alleyway. I'd like you to become a homeless woman and then find a gun and blow your fucking brains out. It would make my life a lot easier. Very good, very good. I like that. I lost it. No, I like that. I like that. Oh, my God. I heard a story that Nat Pendleton. Uh, I know who Nat Pendleton was. He was a wrestler. Yes. Yes, that's right. He, he used to stand naked with a chicken. Oh, stop. And, and Groucho. <laughs> Gr- Groucho, Groucho who had gone senile even back then, <laughs> would, would sing, You simply gotta fuck a chicken. <laughs> Only you, Gilbert, could come up with a funny line like that. Oh, I said, <laughs> I'm sorry. Pendleton's in horse feathers. Yes. He's one of the kidnappers. Yes. Yeah. Ronnie, yeah. tell us about your act back then. You did pantomime. You did lip syncing. I started, I started doing lip syncing. But I would do, be a little different. I would take serious uh, records and make mm-hmm. them funny. Where uh, I wouldn't take a Spike Jones record. And, right. And then you'd be laughing at the record. And i take La Donne Mobile by... Uh, uh, Mary Alonza and all the serious stuff. And what happened was I, I finally went in the service because uh, the Korean War started and I was scared to death of being in the Army or the Marines. So I joined the Air Force and they asked me to MC a show in when I was in basic and I stole a complete pantomime act that I'd seen in San Francisco by a guy named Paul Desmond. And uh, not the musician, but... Uh, comedian and that's how i got started and then slowly i started doing more live stuff and uh, you know erwin Corey started that way stealing other people's material you mean oh no <laughs> probably no but doing pantomime oh pantomime and, and jerry, right, right. And jerry, and jerry lewis. lewis jerry lewis jerry lewis, yes, jerry right. lewis used he to still do does it he does uh that typewriter thing oh <laughs> yeah i think dick, dick van dyke too did pantomime oh, with, yes. with another guy yeah, what were they called? The Merry Moots. The Merry Moots. The Merry Moots. Right out of out of Atlanta. That's right. Oh, I know. I know the Van Dyke family back. Uh, Jerry was my best man at my wedding. His brother. Funny man, Jerry Van Dyke. How's he doing? Not too well. Uh, I'm sorry. He, he had an Very accident. Funny man. He had an. He was funnier. He's funnier than Dick. He's not more talented, but he. By God, when you see him on stage, when you used to see him on stage, he was absolutely hysterical. He. Uh, he just had an accident recently in Arkansas, I think, and and he's they had to encase him in a uh, body thing and sing. He's, ah. not, he's not doing too well. He's a good guy. Too bad. Very oh. funny man. He was best man at my wedding. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. And now back to the show. Tell us about some of those clubs back then. You did the Hungry Eye. You did the hey, Blue did Angel. A, you did Blue these legendary Angel. clubs. Yeah, I did the Blue Angel. I did the Blue Angel. And Sinatra came in opening night, and I was, you know how, how it happened? I think you're going to find this interesting. Uh, I hope. 
<laughs> we were, we were, we were, we were, I'd done the first show. And so I went back and sat in the lobby and uh, not in the lobby, but in the showroom. And, uh, all of a sudden I looked over my shoulder and incoming to sit was, uh, Natalie Wood and Robert Wagner. First time around, first time around mm-hmm. and Earl Wilson, you know, Earl Wilson, the columnist, oh, the columnist. sure. Yeah. Earl's pearls, Jimmy Van Heusen. The, the writer. Sure. And then all of us, uh, so I turned back and all of a sudden, and, and y- you hear stories about this, but it was true. I felt a glow in the room and I turned around and it was Sinatra. Came in, sat down with a girl. I remember the girl because I got to know her later. Judy Meredith was his date at that time. She was an ice skater. And uh, there's no uh, end to this story other than he really gave me three paragraphs in the in the New York I don't know, whatever the one Earl Wilson used to be part of. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was thanks to Sinatra that got, sort of got me started off. Who And who was playing the clubs in those days that you were in? You were in the, the, the Hungry Eye. As I said, you were in the Blue Angel. You were lots okay. of other places. Cosmo you, Alley. Cosmo Alley. Cosmo Alley, when I worked there, was owned by Theo Bacall. There you go. Theodore Bacall wow. reference, Gil. Yeah. He, yeah. One of Gilbert's favorites. I, I mentioned him a few times on no. the podcast. Uh, well, he uh, he was a great singer. Nichivo, Nichivo, Nichivo. You know, a big guy. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that was he, he did Russian songs. Russian songs. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, acted and I understand he had. A, I understand he had a big schwantz. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yep. Girls, tell me, girls used to See, tell me that. Anyway. Who told you? Several girls. So Theodore Bacall had a giant dick. Yes. Ah, I'm going to get hard. sued. He just, he I'm going to get sued. Last year. I know, well, I'm now get I sued. miss he him was... even more. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was a genius. He was a genius. So anyway, I worked with him. And you know who was the uh, another owner? Uh, Lenny Bruce. Oh, that's cool. Wow. So what happened in those days, you could uh, call Cosmo Alley. And it was a little sort of like a jazz club and you could go in there and and uh lenny would come on and sing uh sing not sing uh, thea would come in and sing part of and then uh lenny would sing till midnight and then i'd work from 12 to 4 and i'd have a lot of wonderful guests like faye bainter faye bainter remember well, faye bainter? Uh-huh. sure <laughs> people like that anyway um that was at cosmo alley you asked about cosmo alley yeah, and that was, uh, and I lo- I loved Lenny because he was very nice to me, but we never actually uh, hung out together. I think he was on something, but I don't know. I don't know for sure. What was Rickles around then, and Fat Jack Leonard, and and some of these guys? Yes, Bur- Burns and Carlin. Burns and Carlin. I used to hang out with Jack Burns when he was with George Carlin. Yeah, they had an act, and I was working the Purple London. He was working the Hungry Eye. And in San Francisco. Become, he, yeah, he's become a recluse. Uh, yeah, yeah, if, we wanted to get wanted, him on the show, but we did not I tried to get him on to do some shows, and he will not. He, in fact, nobody knows where he lives. He won't tell anybody where he lives. That's how much of a recluse he is. But he'll talk to you on the phone. I think George Carlin's daughter, Kelly, who we had on the show, is in touch with him. But she told us that uh, it was well, no I, dice, because we'd love to no, talk to Jack Burns. You're absolutely, yeah, of course. You're absolutely that, right. That was Jack Burns, who used to be with... Uh, Burns and Schreiber. Right? Yes, that was later. Sure. 
Huh? 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 That guy. And he also yeah. he also uh, did a, a year on the Andy Griffith show. Yes. Yes, but he they did. W- but they won't have him. I mean, they would love to have him, but he won't do it. That's a He'd shame. He'd make a lot of money. He'd make a lot of money. And, very uh, funny man. Very funny man. Hello, Ron. That's the way you talk. Mm. Black Irish. He's a black Irishman. Yeah. You know, <laughs> black Irishmen are the guys that used to drink. <laughs> I worked with him uh, at the uh, Blue Angel the reason I was there is because, uh, and the reason that uh, it was memorable is because the star of the show that uh, four weeks was uh, Diana Trask, who was an Australian singer that Sinatra worshipped. And yeah, uh, I remember the name. Yeah, Diana Trask, Australian. And uh, so that's why he came initially to see her. But of course, when I went out there, I stole the show away from her. That's, <laughs> a, that's another story. Anyway, uh, I, she was the headliner there. And uh, Ruth Olay, do you remember Ruth Olay? She was a jazz singer. Where was her no. in Chicago? Oh, how about, how about uh, at the Palmer House? I worked there three times. Once with uh, um, Pete Fountain. Oh, sure. Pete Fountain. You know, the jazz man. Yeah, yes. yeah. Out of New Orleans. But in those days, it was uh, the lead guy was a big fat guy. I can't think of his name. Uh, anyway. We worked there, and then the second time I worked there with uh, uh, Judy Garland's other daughter. Oh, Lorna Luff. Lorna Luff, very good singer, by the way. Very good yeah. singer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Anyway, how did, how did you how did you get from doing stand up and doing and and the and the nightclub act to TV, uh, uh, Ronnie? What was the uh, what was well, the break? I know a Dandy Griffith show was a very early credit. Very, very true. Uh, and Patty Duke's show. Yeah, Patty Duke. I did three of those. I loved her. She was a good girl. I wish I had some salacious stories about her, but I don't. Anyway. You can make one up. <laughs> let me think <laughs> about love it. Patty Duke. Oh, did you love? Oh, yeah. She was a great actress. Yeah, she was the best. Well, you you were you were managed by the famous Richard Link. That's how it happened. I was started touring with the Kingston Trio. In fact, their second album, if you get hold of it, it's got capital. It's got capital and it's called College Concert. And we did it from uh, Royce Hall at UCLA. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, all I did was introduce the trio on the records, on the record. And uh, I did the liner notes on the back. And uh, so I told everybody that I had the best selling comedy record in the business, which I did, <laughs> even though all I said was, here are three young men in song that I love working with. I love the way they sing and they like the way I do their shirts. The Kingston trio. <laughs> That's my comedy album. Sold millions, sold millions. Yeah. Did did you work with like were there a lot of mobsters? Yes. When you were doing it? Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, uh in Chicago is where I really met a lot of them. Uh I'm not gonna name his because I can't remember, but there was one guy who took a liking to me and after the show one night he said, You wanna come over to the uh the uh I'm doing a thing at the Sahara out by the airport. You wanna come over and have breakfast or what? They always gave you, or what? <laughs> <laughs> Scary. Yeah, and they, yeah, when you used to dance with the guys from, from, from New York, you want to dance or what? No, <laughs> or what? I don't know. How about or what? Anyway, so he was, I, oh, naturally I said yes. So there was a group of us that were working at, uh, in Chicago, and we went, this is a true story. That's not funny either. We went out to this place called the Sahara, and this guy was notorious. But he took a liking to me. He was a little guy. And so we sat there with 15 people, about 
three o'clock in the morning, and we all ordered and eggs. And all of a sudden, the the uh, waiter comes in. He brings the eggs. He lays them down, and the eggs were too cold for this little guy. And he got up and just beat the living shit out of this in front of us. And not one of us got up and said, "Hey, no, no cut it, cut it out." Wow. Because we were scared to death. We let this waiter have the shit kicked out of him rather than uh, that's the end of the story. But it's it's just, it was sort of sad. But not sad enough to, for me to interrupt this little mafia guy. Anyway, that guy's wow. probably still in the, in the hospital. This, and this was oh. 50 years ago. For <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that is scary. I'll tell you his name when we go off camera because I'm not going to okay. take any chances. No. <laughs> I'm sure he's long gone, Ron. Or at you least know what happened? To... You know what happened? Seriously? Yeah. yeah. He was bringing groceries home, and he got machine gunned to death. So he probably defied some of the bigger people. Wow. Ooh. I, but, that, but, but in conclusion, and I want this spread around, the mafia was very good to me. I worked most of the clubs back then were owned by the boys, and uh, if they liked you— Man, you you could do no wrong, and they would just be so good to the. And they love comedians, and uh, I was never intimidated by them. I think they even owned the Blue Angel, but I'm not sure. Yeah, we've had a couple of people tell us that the mob was was good to them. Yeah, on the on this show. Yeah, various the, comics. The performers said that you couldn't get have a nicer boss than a mobster. And you know what they'd say? Seriously, they'd say. Listen, if anybody gives you any trouble, call uh, Geraldo, and uh, we'll take care of it. And that's exactly. <laughs> we, I never had to call Geraldo, but uh, we, you know, he he would have taken care of it with the boys. That's true. So tell. Go I, ahead. I, I heard a story that Buddy Hackett. I love Buddy. I think yeah. I think his house was robbed, and uh, I don't know if he I said, get. Then they found the two guys that robbed my house. You'll do uh, anything would... to do impressions. Yes, right, yes, yes, yes. You make up these you, names, and I'll do Clark Gable when I ran into him. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> and he said, they found them both dead in the desert. And they said, uh, do you know what happened to them? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that could be true. That could be true. How about this? <clears throat> Scarlett, you've never loved me. You've always loved anyone else but me. I don't give a damn. That was my impression of Clark Gable. Not too Pretty good. good. <laughs> That's the only one. But I do, I do do Clark Gable sneezing. Okay. Let's hear it. This is Clark Gable sneezing. Drop, 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 too. <laughs> Remember, he always just like, God damn it. You've always loved Ashley Wilkes. You've never loved me. Anyway. Well, t- tell us how the K- the Kingston Trio album went big, and I'm trying to figure big, out how, how your TV career got started. Oh, oh, oh. So, that. so Dick Link uh, worked for Capital. He just passed away, by the way, uh, yeah, Richard I know. Link, last year. 99 yeah. years old, drinking yeah, vodka yeah. every night. Yeah. Anyway, Legendary manager. It, it was a good guy. And he was my manager until I, uh, till he sort of semi-retired over in Hawaii. But until, And Andy got rid of him. Ooh, that was a sad story. But um, which I'm not telling unless I'm asked. So uh, and Andy uh, Griffith, you mean? Andy, oh yeah, that was yeah, his yeah. right hand man. So he sure. was handy. He okay, was handy. Okay, I'm asking. <laughs> let me get. Let me do my own story first. Yeah, okay. I was asked. 
So anyway, uh, Cl- uh, Clark Gable, <laughs> Clark Gable wasn't around at that time, but um, <laughs> I had to get his name in there. Uh, <laughs> Dick Link managed Andy Griffith, and he worked for Capital, and he saw my act in San Diego and said, I'd like to manage you. And I said, oh, yeah, okay, I don't have a manager. And that's how I got there. And then about, I say, within a year, Andy did a, a, a spinoff from the Danny Thomas show. Right. Uh, and then after Andy did it, then Jim Neighbors came as Gomer Pyle, and they did a spinoff of that. And by that time, uh, Dick Link was the associate producer of both those shows, and he said, I want to work you into the Gomer Pyle show. And I said, do I have to audition? He said, yeah, for Carl Reiner and... Uh, Sheldon uh, Leonard. Sheldon Leonard. Sheldon Leonard, yeah. And uh, so I, and I was nervous. And I went, and they were very good, and that's how I got Gomer Pyle from, from that uh, audition. And the rest, of course, is history. Hey, here's another one. Guess who this is? For it was Mary, Mary, sweet, as any name could be. But you were the guy who gave it to my brother in a back. Well, hey, that's great, dude. Betty Grable, right? Are you making a joke, ain't you, Frankie? That was Humphrey Bogart, wasn't it, dude? This is Jimmy Cagney, Gomer. Well, that was the second, Charlie. <laughs> Here's another one. Guess who this one is, Gomer? Gomer! <coughs> hey, Sergeant Carter. Sergeant Carter, you're the best sergeant a Marine ever had. Why, you're just like a mama to us, so... Thank you, thank you, thank you. Shazam! Oh, yeah, I almost forgot. Shazam! <laughs> yeah, we talked to, on the phone. You and I were talking about also the great Aaron Rubin. I don't remember just, that. Just deserve some credit for that, uh, for that show. Aaron Rubin was the greatest sketch, uh, uh, Scott, not uh, uh, series writer of all time. He, you know who is uh, nef- he's uh, Nat Hyken's nephew, Nat Hyken, who was a very famous. There you guy. go, Gil. Oh How yeah, I love Nat. Hyken. Yeah, we've talked about Nat Hyken with H- Hank Garrett, obviously. Car fifty four, where are you? And uh, yeah, but Hank, Hank Garrett makes up a bunch of bullshit. I don't care. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he wrestles, but he can't drive. Anyway, <laughs> uh, who were we talking about? We were talking about uh, how you got uh, the the uh, the uh, oh, Andy Griffith oh, oh. show, and then uh, Gomer Pyle, and then Gomer Pyle, and then uh, and then Good Morning World came knocking. Bill Persky yeah, and Sam Denoff. Yeah. Well, what happened was I was doing uh, Gomer Pyle, and then all of a sudden I started doing That Girl with Marlo. Oh, Thomas. you were her agent. Played, yeah, Harvey Harvey, Harvey Peck. Peck. I'm sure you guys have watched that all the time, and. Uh, after Harvey, after that, uh, he, they decided to do a series, a comedy series about two radio do, uh, disc jockeys based on William B. Williams. Is that? Yeah, yeah. yeah because yeah. because Billy yeah. and Sam worked for him. That's they were right. Writing about their well, own lives. Was, exactly. This was all about them, about uh, William B. Williams, and when he did that, and so they hired myself, and they hired uh, Billy DeWolf. Great. Great. Love Billy DeWolf. Oh, I loved him. He was a great, always busy, busy, busy. <laughs> He's and, come up and, on and this and he'd show say a to lot. Me, yes. Yeah. And he'd, he'd say, he'd say uh, Mr. Shell, put it away. Put it, I mean, save your money. Put it away, Mr. Shell. You never know when it's going to end. And anyway, he, uh, he, was, he became my best friend on that particular show. Joby was a nice guy. Uh, Joby Baker. Yeah. Uh, He's still around. Who did? Yes, Joby? he lives in Connecticut. Yeah. He was married. He was married to Dory Previn. Oh, oh wow. cool! 
Yeah, and then she passed away. I think he killed her. And, uh, no, I, I, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love Joby. I love Joby, and I love Dory, even though I never met her. And um, so we did that show. and With Goldie. Uh, oh, yeah. that's They had a, a – Andy Griffith was doing a special during that time. We all worked on the same lot where we did that girl and all these other shows and Hogan's Heroes and everything like that. And in walked, uh, no, and in, uh, uh, the, Bill and Sam saw this little girl out of uh, a go-go dancer out of Baltimore, which was Goldie Hawn. Mm-hmm. And she was in the chorus. And uh, so they said, oh God, she's got a great person. Let's put her in. So they hired her to be my girlfriend. And we did 29 episodes and, you know, it was free and easy in those days. You know, I, we weren't married. I wasn't married, and she wasn't married. And we always uh, uh, rehearsed in my apartment at night. You do the math, okay? And, uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Goldie. I'm kidding, Kurt. And so, uh, anyway, after about three weeks on the first show, she was tired. She didn't like to rehearse. And I said, Goldie, I took her aside. I said, Goldie, you're never going to make it. Because you don't like to rehearse, and I don't like that. Pros know the script inside and out, and that's because you're not going to make it. <laughs> and the next year, she won the Academy Award for the Cactus Flower, and I found out while working some toilet in Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> True story. She never let me forget it, by the way. She never let me forget you, it. You know what's strange? You, you were talking about who created the Gomer Pyle show. And mm-hmm. I remember Aaron when Rubin. I was growing up, I'd watch these shows like Gomer Pyle and Andy Griffith and think I was getting a glimpse of like, you know, Southerners and Gentiles. And, <laughs> and it was all Jews oh, from yeah, New York. Yeah, it was <laughs> all total Jews. Sheldon well, Leonard. Well, no, but I'll, 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 yeah. yeah, I'll tell you the truth. Yeah. I'll tell you the truth on Aaron Rubin. Aaron Rubin. Aaron Rubin, before he uh, did uh, Andy Griffith, he went and spent a week it might have been a month in North Carolina to pick up the tone and the people. And that's, he did his homework. And by the time he came back, he could write about them. That is the, the one of the reasons that uh, it works so well with the Southern. It's amazing. And it just, so a, a Jewish guy spends a month oh, in North yes. Carolina and manages to capture the flavor. <laughs> yes. And that show went on forever. And that and one of the things it was, it was lauded for was its authenticity. Yes, but how come there were no black people on there? <laughs> an excellent question think about it (laughs) there were but they were in in the background (laughs) now are you saying you fucked goldie Hawn? no 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 not at all no please don't there was was a chicken involved i i just i just love to do the the uh the line you do the math okay (laughs) tell us about sheldon leonard and you also did his short-lived series big eddie Yes, I did. I played a clown in it. Sheldon Leonard was, whew, he was one of those guys that you, when he walked in the room, you uh, you immediately were very subservient and good. But he was very, he would come in uh, when we did Andy Griffith and Gomer Pyle, and he would take a script and just fix it up in like a half hour. And uh, and he was a genius. He was a genius. Yeah. I remember. I remember sort of a sad story. Uh, but of course, this happens. They were doing a a, a dinner for Don Knotts at uh, Chasen's yeah. when it was still open, and we all went down there one night, and uh, and 
I don't know if you recall, but they, well, they still have them. One of these local 7.30 to 8 shows where they did interviews, and this girl, I, I was standing there, and this le- young girl was doing the interview, and she said, uh, now, uh, 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 you're Sheldon Leonard. He said, yes. Uh, yeah. she said, well, what have you done, Mr. Leonard? Oh. And he said, I've been around. That's all he said. Wow. And she, I remember that. That was uh, quite a quite a revolution. Well, revelation. not only was he a fun actor, and well, of course, he was always playing those thugs. He was always playing heavies, and but yeah. but he was a yes. but he was a mogul. He was a mogul. Yeah. Very rich. Yeah. And super uh, smart guy. Uh, go, super smart guy. What if, what was Frank uh, Sutton like, Ron? I love Frank. Frank was, uh, believe it or not, was a Southerner. He was born in uh, Tennessee. And that's where he's buried. And I never saw him off stage without a cigar in his mouth, Brazilian cigar, I might add, or a cup of coffee. And that's what made him, or not made him, but he was he was a type A. And he was destined to have a, an early heart attack. Great actor. Always knew his lines and was very nice to all of us because a lot of us were newcomers. You know, he'd already done Broadway in the Andersonville uh, trial. Uh-huh. And a couple others. Mm-hmm. He was a good friend of George C. Scott's. But uh, anyway, no, I can't say anything bad about him. I wish I could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he used to he used to have this chicken. And, he, and what did they sing when Frank Sutton stood there naked? <laughs> you simply got to fuck that chicken. This is going to be the new catchphrase that takes off. <laughs> now, you said... He was. He started out a liberal. Oh, that's right. It's interesting. Yeah, Frank Sutton. Yeah. Yeah. He had a lovely wife and two lovely kids. Toby was his wife, and oh, she was Jewish, by the way. You might want to know that. <laughs> he does. And, and she, Toby was Jewish, and and he was a Southern. He was a you know, and he, so that's where he may have gotten the liberal slant. But when he first started doing the show, he was just big on uh, Lyndon Johnson, and liberals and everything like that. Interesting. <laughs> By the end of five seasons, and then we did two seasons as a as a, uh, a variety show, the Jim Neighbors Hour, and uh, by that time he was a right winger, not a right winger, but very conservative. The money, it's called money. Sure, you make a lot of money and you change. I think. Isn't well, that true? Well, they say you know they say a conservative is a liberal who's been mugged. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd have thought of that. By God, I will. You know, I want to tell you a story <laughs> about Studs Terkel. You know who Studs Terkel oh, was? The, yes. I think was, and this applies to guys my age. You guys aren't there yet. But I hang out with guys in their late 70s and their 80s for a reason. Studs Terkel knew this guy. You may have known this story. Studs Terkel uh, knew this guy, 80-some years old. He was a widower, and he married this woman, 60 years old and she was really beautiful and well done for her uh, 60 year old <clears throat> and she had lasted eight months and studs turkle went to him and said my god what happened i mean she was beautiful at 60 years old what happened and he said she didn't know the songs wow Jeez. And that's it if you don't want if you if you can't relate to young people and and, and you can't remember the songs and everything like that it becomes uh, sad yeah, that's profound. I think it's profound. It is. Gilbert wants to ask you about some of these names, yeah, uh, Ron. I, you worked with Jack Webb, best known for Dragnet. 
The only guy who, when he was sober, was mean, and when he was drunk, was a great guy. (laughs) (laughs) That I remember. Interesting. He was once married to Julie London. Do you remember that? Julie London. Sure. Sure, That was was before my... Then she married Bobby Troop. Who was a very close friend of mine, because uh, Bobby Troop's daughter introduced me to my wife. Oh, Route 66. Route 66. Now yeah. you work with you work with both Ted Cassidy and Jack Cassidy. Jack was brilliant. Jack was hysterically funny. He thought he was John Barrymore. I mean, <laughs> at five a.m. in the morning, you could come back to the to the. We were on the road together for sixteen weeks when he, she was he was married to her uh, Shirley Jones. To Shirley, and you could come back at five a.m. and he'd been in a been in his suit and. Just sitting there having a drink, he was just, just he thought he was, he was John Barrymore, reincarnated, and a very good actor, I might add. Oh yeah, good recall. in comedy. He and she, do you remember he and she? Of course, of course. Yeah. Was that Richard Benjamin and, uh, Paul, and uh, Prentice? Paul Apprentice? Paul Apprentice. And I did a movie with Richard called uh, "How to Beat the High Cost of Living." Sure, with uh, Susan St. James. Susan, who I liked very much. Jane and, Curtin. Uh, Jace, yeah, Jane Curtin and and Jessica Lang. You bet. And my friend, Freddie Willard. Fred Willard, right. Good guy. Now, Cassidy had a, a hate. I don't know if there was a love there. There was definitely uh, bad feelings between him and his son. Oh, David Cassidy, you mean, yeah. Uh, I think, uh, I'll be honest, because I'm going to be in David's court on, in this day. He was yeah. jealous of David. He was jealous. And... Uh, I remember we were on the road and we were in Rhode Island and he was coming to visit and he said, by God, that little guy's going to take us, that no, whatever he called his son, David's going to take us to dinner. He's going to pay for it because he's made a lot of money. And uh, he did. He made him pay. We had showgirls and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so that that was the animosity. It was jealousy. It was uh, Jack's fault, really. Yeah, because back then, David was like the biggest Popeye he was. He world. was the biggest. He was the biggest. He sure was. And, tell it. Tell yeah. us about Maury Amsterdam, who was a friend of yours. Well, the only reason I knew Maury is because he was from San Francisco. He was born and raised in San Francisco. And it's interesting. At the height of his career, you know, we worked at the same, uh, on the lot. And he said, I'm from San Francisco. And he said, yeah, I know. He said, yeah, you know, goddamn Herb King never mentions me. Now, like... Maury Amsterdam was nationally known, and he's worried about a San Francisco columnist. Damn, wish Herb would mention me. I love that. It's a true, true story. He liked to tell jokes too. We just got some na- we got some names here that go. Uh, did you work? You did voiceovers on a show called Yogi Space Race with uh, Joe Besser. Yeah, that's right. Oh, you, what, what did he used to say? What was his stock line? Not so loud. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I wanted you to do that, Gilbert. And I swear, I'll, is, was that the one who said, "I swear I'll kill you"? Is that is, did he do that too? Oh yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah he I swear I'll kill people. you. Yeah, yeah, I did that with him, and uh, I thought you were going to mention uh, my one of my all my all time favorite of all the people we've talked about. Yeah, sketch comedian. Oh, Harvey nobody, Corman. Harvey Corman. Nobody yeah. touches. Well, him. you guys were tight. We were very, we were very, very close friends, and Harvey Corman was the biggest hypochondriac that ever lived next to me. <laughs> but he was hilarious, and I don't think anybody has ever topped his Headley Lamar in Blazing Saddles. Oh, it's brilliant! If you watch it, every single scene, he's just 
perfect. And of course, he's electric. He, yeah, he was, and uh, a good guy. And uh, I, I miss him. I, I I do miss him. Was he a happy guy in real life? Was was he was? Can, can, uh, let, let me let me uh, let me ask you something. Have you ever met a v- big talent who was happy? I haven't, <laughs> and especially, and especially, no, you haven't, and especially comedians. The only happy comedian I ever met was Art Linkletter, and I don't count him. <laughs> I worked with him. I worked with. Uh, uh, I did the only Mark and Mindy that was on an hour, and I worked with uh, yeah. Robin Williams. Brilliant, brilliant, and uh, well, you name it, Jonathan Winters. I hung out with Jonathan a lot. And I hung out with the comedians because I, I learned from them, you know, and I, I enjoy you, laughing. Yeah. You work with Red Fox, too. How about Red Fox? Any I memories? Did Sanford, I, I did Sanford and Son. The only, yes, you did. The only mem- I played the mayor. The only memory I remember, I can't tell you, but it was obscene. It was, <laughs> okay. it was that obscene. Sounds like Red. That, that sounds like a Red Fox story. It is what a Red Fox can't. story. What about Some, Frank Gorshin? He was a friend too. I uh, Frank Gorshin was. We go back way back because we were both in the Air Force and we did uh, uh, shows, Tops and Blue, and uh, I was for a while was the traveling comedian with the United States Air Force Dance Band, the Airmen of Note in Washington D.C., and that was a tough job. I mean, we could have gone over to Korea at any moment, but we never did. But I did get some time in Bermuda. That's the end of the. It's the end of that story. Who else do you want to know about that, that Ronnie worked with here, Gil? Oh, God, it's, it's such a, This a is a list. crazy list, Ronnie. You've done everything. You've worked with everybody. Here's a story that I sparked to. I'll tell you, you what I got coming up, January. Yeah, yeah okay, well, we're going to do a couple of names, and then we'll do the plugs. Okay. What am I? Am I a gossip? I sound like, I sound like a gossip. <laughs> What's that? I know a story about everybody, but, I, you know, I, there's a lot of stories I'm keeping to myself. <laughs> you don't have to tell them if they're too salty. Well, they're mostly about me, but go ahead. What about Paul Winchell? You worked with him. The great ventriloquist. Yeah, we have very, very good ventriloquist. Yeah, he was, he, he's like every other comedian. They're not happy. Yeah. You know, Gilbert, Gilbert's walking around laughing, making a lot of laughs. He has a family. I have a family, but we're not happy. No, Gilbert's pretty miserable. Yeah. I know. <laughs> you are. You are, Gilbert. And so are you, Frank, because you're, you're, you. you're tagging on. <laughs> Thank you, Ron. What about working with Tony Curtis? I'm, Bill, I'm, Bill and Sam wrote something for you. I'm going to hang myself after this <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, Tony Curtis, when I first met him, we did a football special together. And he yeah. was really, he really was nice to me. And the first thing I said, hi. And he said, me too. <laughs> Tony Curtis seems like he was a fun guy. He was a fun guy, and this was before he wore that terrible tube. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the, and the cowboy hat. Oh, yes. Yeah, but he was he was very funny. And I'll tell you, he was a good actor. Did you ever see The Sweet Smell of Success? Of course. Oh, yes, with, with Burt Lancaster. Oh, masterpiece. Geez. Yeah, masterpiece. Well, I'm also a movie fan, so uh, the old movies. So uh, I, I just remember him being very good. And, and the Defiant ones with... Uh, of course, Stanley yeah. Kramer. Yeah, Sydney that's Pauly. right. And Theodore Bakel. Theo McHale was the sheriff. You're there absolutely you go. right. That's and, right. And Lon Chaney Jr. was like Big yeah. Joe. Or I never, I never met Lon Chaney Jr., but I was a fan of his. I mean, I nobody ever topped him uh, in of mice and men. 
with Burgess That's Gilbert's Meredith. favorite. Oh, that he was brilliant in that. Who played the little guy where they took the dog away? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember his name, but he was He was a character actor. Yeah, he was great. Remember the guy from F Troop turns up in there, Bob Steele, the uh, guy that yes. plays Duffy. Yeah, but Bob Steele. Bob Steele started yeah. as a as a B cowboy actor. Yeah, before, yeah, he was. Before that, before that, he was a boxer. Sure thing. And uh, he lived across the street from my wife when she was still in high school. And he was a ni- really a nice guy. I think he was four foot three. Something like that. that about yeah, something it. like that. Oh, he was well, a little guy. in in uh in of mice and men. Yeah, that's he, he, Burgess Meredith says it about him. He goes, "I hate mean little guys." Ooh, that's right. I'd forgotten about that. How about Betty Fields? Betty Field, yeah. Oh, Betty yes. Betty Fields loved her. As we wrap it up, you can you you're such a WC Fields fan. You were telling me on the phone. You want to you want to tell tell me what you told me about WC because I thought that well, was fascinating. It's, it's sort of well. It's, there's no connection here except he used to do a lot of scripts and he had a way of sneaking in dirty lines by changing them just slightly. Like, God damn, he'd say, Godfrey Daniel, he'd say that. <laughs> Did you know that, Gil? About no. W.C. Fields? Yeah. You watch no. any sort of, or if it, Godfrey Daniel, he's really, and it, it sort of reminded me of you, uh, uh, Gilbert, and I say, Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> it is. It's almost like an exclamation. Yeah, yeah, almost like an exclamation. Godfrey. Anyway, uh, he did say that. He did say that. Uh, uh, I'm going to walk away here thinking I'm a big gossip person. <laughs> These are this, the, you, haven't, you haven't told, told any tales out of school. No, the, the I'm t- telling you about uh, my career and my uh, all the wonderful, wonderful people I've worked with. And I hope it's not over. I worked with uh, someday. <laughs> I worked with Tony Bennett and uh, Carol Burnett. I did the only. I did two Carol Burnett shows. Yeah, you've had to work with everyone. When Harvey Corman kept saying, "I'm funnier than her. I'm funnier than her." Should be the <laughs> Harvey Corman show. T- t- <laughs> tell Bill about the time you fixed Don Adams up with a uh, with a date. I like that story. How did you know? Bill Dana will tell you that. Oh, I, wasn't wasn't I, it you who fixed yeah, well, him up? With it was him? me. No, I fixed Bill Dana up. But what happened was, here's what happened. I was living in San Francisco at the time, and Bill Dana came up, and uh, he was Jose Jimenez. Sure. He'll, he'll tell you this. Is he coming We're going to have him week? on, yeah. Okay. You asked him to tell, tell the story. And so uh, Bill was looking for a date, and I said, well, look, this is my hometown. I'll fix you up with a chick. He said, okay. So I called this chick who I'd never seen in person, but I talked to her on the phone, and I said, would you like to go out with Bill Dana? Oh, my God, I'd love it. And I, <laughs> and I had told, I told, he said, he said, he, Bill Dana said to me, and he'll quote you, quote him, he said, now, uh, what does she look like? I said, she looks like Shirley MacLaine. I said, okay, great. So in she walks into this apartment in San Francisco, and she's about 60 years old, and not attractive at all. And Bill, God bless him, went out with her. And the next day he came to me and he said, did you say she looked like Shirley MacLaine or Barton MacLaine? <laughs> A Barton MacLaine reference. Ask, ask him that. That's Fantastic. a true story. Ronnie, Ronnie, tell us what's coming up again. Oh, I'm doing this pilot with Ed Asner. 
And we Don love Wells. Ed. Yeah, Don Wells and whoever's going to replace uh, our lovely departed Lawrence Anderson, who I loved. Yeah. yeah. Did I ever tell you that story? No. You were doing a commercial with her. Should I tell that? It's not that funny, but it's... it's Go ahead. We were doing... We She was the Wesson Oil uh, Yeah, Wessonality. Yes, exactly. And so they hired me to do a thing with her. So I... We did rehearse, and, and so the director said, okay, let's everybody quiet and action. And just <laughs> before anybody said anything, a crewman, I don't know who he was, we don't know this day, let a big fart. And <laughs> we just went into hysterics, and the director said, cut, cut, what's the matter? And I said, oh, we were just, first and I were just uh, discussing something. Try it again. So believe this or not, Director said, action. And it was quiet. And the guy let another big fart. We <laughs> fell over. And the director said, lunch. <laughs> I think that's how I'll choose to remember Florence Anderson. Well, Very well she, funny. Was a good, she was a good singer. I worked with her at, uh, at uh, John Oswega's. Uh, I worked with everyone. There's no one I never worked with. You, uh, it's, it's a long list. Ronnie, right. Ronnie, you 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 had a fantastic career, fascinating, and it's still oh, going. Why is it over? Still is going. it over? Okay. And, and tell the limo, I'll be there. Okay. Before I close out this show, there's something very important uh, that I want to take with me. So the <laughs> very that? handsome leading man, Alan Ladd. Oh would, come on, his wife. Wait, he stand naked <laughs> with a chicken, surrounded by girls. That's apocryphal. That's yeah, apocryphal. And, and what? Elena, but, that's apocryphal. But what that's did, just comedy. What? Fuck it. I'm saying it's real. Now, okay. what did those girls have to sing? They were dancing around while he oh, was, yes. and they sang, you've simply got to fuck that chicken. <laughs> he sounds like Aunt B. <laughs> yeah, oh. That's we'll fantastic. Go in, we'll, go into, we'll go into Aunt B the next time uh, you guys interview me. <laughs> Ronnie, thanks okay. for doing this, man. So, hey, so I'm ball. Gilbert Gottfried, and I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. This has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast with the very funny Ronnie Shell. And come out to L.A., and we'll uh, have coffee together. We'll go, to, we'll go to Nate and Al's. Yeah, that's right. We'll run into Larry, and you'll come up close and almost kiss us. <laughs> thank you, Ronnie. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Thanks, buddy. Frank, Gilbert, thank, thank you. you. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Friends, why not take a trip to Spontaneation, where hours of listening pleasure await you? Hours made up of moments. Moments like these. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad I won that lottery where you got to come to a celebrity's funeral. Well, certainly. Uh, we're glad to have you here. This is your program, and you'll sit in the front row with the family. Oh, well, How you doing? I'm John Wayne's son. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm John Wayne's daughter. <laughs> I'm so sorry for your loss. Um, well, congratulations on winning the contest. Yeah, well done. <laughs> I've never been to a celebrity funeral before. Are there any tips? 
Just keep quiet and hold on. It's gonna be a wild ride. Be respectful. We're talking about the Duke here. Listen to Spontanea Nation with me, Paul F. Tompkins, on Earwolf, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app.